and somewhat unceremoniously, we are jettisoned back into ordinary time. Here's the thing. Yes, Christmas is officially over. But we come to this unique portion in time called ordinary time. No, it's not because it's like the ordinary state of affairs. It's because these are the ordered days or the ordered weeks throughout the year. But ordinary time is unique because it's not just like this moment where we say, okay, so the high feast days are over, now we kind of enter back into normalcy. No. Ordinary time specifically is about the duration of meditation, referring back to the, to the last major feast. What was that for us? Epiphany. So at the risk of sounding, I don't know, repetitive, I'm just going to recap the major mysteries of Epiphany. Epiphany is made up of three mysteries. The coming of the Magi, the baptism in the Jordan, and the wedding feast at Cana. But specifically the Magi. The Magi are the ones that brought the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for his kingship, frankincense to recognize his divinity, myrrh, which is an oil that is pressed out to anoint his body for death. The baptism reveals the divinity of Christ and bestows a name upon him that cannot be matched. And I'm not merely talking about the holy name of Jesus. I'm talking about his divine identity as the Son of God. And then, once more, the actual wedding feast at Cana, the first public miracle, which ushers in his role as Messiah and his public ministry. Now, these three mysteries kind of revolve around together to point out something incredibly important. Namely, Christ is God. And as such, if he is God, if he is King of kings and Lord of lords, as we so declare, there is something which is owed to him. Complete, unwavering, irrevocable, and total obedience. Now, when I say obedience, I can hear the heart stop a little bit. Because most of us misunderstand obedience. Obedience is not so much do what you're told. No, sometimes that's needed, but that's the lowest form of obedience. No, the highest form of obedience, the one that we are called to, is an obedience which anticipates love. Point in case is this. When I was little, in my family, my mom could not survive the morning without coffee. Most of us are in that boat. So what did we do? Instead of acting out of fear of retribution for, where is my coffee? We learned to obey a simple call to love. My dad would make some coffee in the morning. He would then pass that on to us, his boys. We would learn how to make coffee, set the alarm on the machine. We all wake up, there's coffee brewing. Mom gets out, gets her big mug, starts drinking her coffee. World War III is averted. 
by the way, I get my coffee love from my parents. And yes, we drink copious amounts of coffee. But that's beside the point. The reality is that act of obedience to love is the kind of obedience that we need to have. But the obedience to Christ is a little more, shall we say, cosmic, total, complete. So to understand this, we need to go back to the collect of the Mass. God orders everything in heaven and on earth, and we pray for his peace. That peace only comes through obedience. And why does that matter? Because without this obedience, we're wandering sparks flying off in a patch of wood. That's how forest fires start. No, we want to be burning, but we want to be controlled burning from a wildfire to a hearth fire. And that's important because home, that's the ultimate thing, home. But why does this even matter? Why does this obedience even matter? Or why does the faith even matter? Or why are we here? Because something happened that radically transformed the entirety of our lives. And it's summed up in the second reading. Do you not know that you are not your own? You do not belong to yourselves. You never have, you never will. Do you not know that this individualism which courses through our veins is the very essence of pride? The sin of Satan. Do you not know that you were made for gift? And why? For you have been purchased at a price. Now you know me. You know I'm geeky. We're going to the Greek. Literally translated as we have it here. Have been purchased. But the actual way that it's written, the grammar behind it, in theological terms is called the divine passive. We see this only a few times in scripture. And what it always designates is that it was something that was established from the very beginning and foundation of creation and is durative and complete until this very moment and into the future. What does that signify? This is God's plan. This plan has purchased us. This plan has made us what we are. And what was the price of said purchase? Every ounce of agony, every drop of blood, every wound upon our Lord's body, every ounce of agony within his soul. He knew our sins individually, every single person throughout all of created history and even before. He knew every single sin 
The weight of the cross was not the weight of the cross because it was 300 pounds. No, the weight of the cross was every sin that was placed upon the cross, and yet he chose after falling three times to get back up. Why? Because you and I are worth every ounce of agony and every drop of blood. And if we don't believe that, why are we here? If we do believe that, the obedience follows very easily. He paid that much for me. The least I can give is the gift of my will. The very least. What's the secondary thing he's asking for? Asking us to obey. First and second, uh, first reading in gospel. Abide and remain. Let's look at Samuel. Samuel, as it was said, dwelt in the temple of the Lord before the Ark of the Covenant. Not sure if you guys realize how significant that is. Let me put it in perspective. The high priest was allowed to go in once a year to offer blood sacrifice over the Ark of the Covenant. If he did not do that, God killed him. If he went in without permission, God killed him. But Samuel is resting before him. Before the very presence of God on earth. And in the gospel, we see two random fishermen, disciples of the Baptist, that come to him and hear him say, Behold the Lamb of God. You know, the one we've been waiting for for 5,000 years? Because when Isaac was about to be sacrificed, God did not provide a lamb, he provided a ram. So for 5,000 years, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, the chosen people were waiting for the lamb of God. And that's him right there. There's our sacrifice. Follow him. So they do. Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see. And it was so significant, so altering and life-changing, they remember precisely the hour where they met him. Four in the afternoon. This is the obedience of love to abide and remain and to sacrifice everything that we are. If we're not willing to do that, we've got to start praying for that gift. And if we have not had the same encounter that the apostles had in the gospel, we need to pray for that as well. Because that is ours that God wants to give. If you have had not that experience before the blessed sacrament, within the sacrament of confession, within your marriages, within my ordination. We need to pray for this. These are the avenues of communion, and yet we squander them. Why? 
Because if we forget our price, if we forget the fact that we are worth the blood of Christ, if you're anything like me, your mind is like a squirrel. Ooh, shiny thing, ooh, shiny thing, ooh, shiny thing, ooh, new thing. We lose focus. Why? Because we forget. We forget our first love. So we need to be reminded. We need to be drawn back. That's what this time called ordinary is about. To continue to reflect and to be drawn back. Especially because a month from today, Lent starts. Yeah, maybe we need to start thinking about our penances. We don't have much time to meditate now upon the epiphany, upon the fact that our Lord revealed himself, for what end? To draw us to his heart. So will we forget our price? Or are we going to actually start obeying? And I'm not merely talking about the rules. Yes, follow the rules. They're like the bumpers in a bowling alley. They keep us on the straight and narrow. They're not the end in and of themselves. They serve the end, which is union with God. If there's a part of your heart, if there's a part of my heart that needs to be converted, goes on the altar today. If there is a sin that you are struggling with and that you are ashamed to confess, confess it. If it's been over a month, I invite you back. If it's been over six months, I beg you to come back. It's time that we retake this mantle. This blood is calling us. Are we going to ignore it? Praise be Jesus Christ.